It's the Smart Driving Cars podcast. We're happy to have you on board once again. We have a guest along who you won't want to miss. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETF's Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Good morning, Alan. Good morning, everyone. And we are happy to have with us Nat Buse. Nat is the head of safety at Uber's Advanced Technologies Group, joining the company a couple of years ago after having been the Associate Administrator for Vehicle Safety Research at the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, aka NHTSA. It means a great deal to have you with us, Nat. Thank you. Yeah, happy to be here. So great to have you, Nat. Thank you. Nat, you've, you've made some recent news at Uber with a pledge of more transparency when it comes to the release of safety information from your self-driving vehicles program. That move followed criticism from NHTSA, your former employer, involving the 2018 death in Arizona of Elaine Herzberg, struck by an Uber self-driving vehicle. I know there's a lot, but tell us about the changes. Yeah, that's a really good uh, place to start, Fred. Thanks for having me on, and thanks, Dr. K. Always good to uh, to see you again. Nice to have you. Uh, yeah, this is this is maybe the most serious and the most important one of these uh, podcasts that we put on because, as as you and I and everybody agrees, uh, safety is a necessary condition in all of this. We all have to be safe, and we all have to cooperate to be safe. Uh, you know, it it helps everybody. This isn't something that we should be competing on and and we so appreciate you coming on and go yeah and ha happy to share so yeah i mean i i think probably what you're referring to was the national transportation safety board who came out with uh with the recommendation to uber last year after the the tempe crash and uh while i know ntsb well uh obviously in my former life <laughs> right, yeah. did, did not did, did not have the pleasure for for working over there but uh, chairman somewhat has done a great great job and i really appreciate his leadership on all issues safety uh, you know, I think maybe stepping a, a, a step back, one, one of the things we were, we were doing is updating where we were from 2018. So in 2018, uh, shortly after the Tempe crash, we had published our, uh, our version of a voluntary safety self-assessment or what we call the SAFE report. Uh, that was really in response to, you know, NHTSA's call to all companies who are testing on public roads to disclose what they're doing on safety. And a lot has happened uh, to our company in particular, a lot of changes we, we've implemented. And so this 2020 report that we put out really is an update of, of that. And it has happened to coincide uh, after the NTSB recommendation. So let me jump right into kind of two things that are, are pretty important with this update. Uh, the first is uh, really unpacking this thing that we launched last year called uh, SMS. Um, we've been on safety management system probably a little bit longer than last year actually. Um, really trying to put some organizational safety uh, things in place for the company. And to me, this goes hand in hand with what we're doing on the engineering side, uh, which is what we call the safety case. Uh, and so the, the safety case, and I'm sure that's something we we'll want to talk about in a little bit, is our version of what Dr. K and I used to talk about sometimes about what is safe enough and how do you actually prove that. You can get, you know, three guys or gals or guys and gals, whomever, uh, chatting about this, but it's it, it's very uh, abstract when you say what does what is safe enough, and what we've done uh, with the ability through the safety case is to actually unpack that into engineering artifacts that we believe if we can deliver that, we can actually make and support that ultimate claim that our vehicle is safe enough to be on on public roads. The other thing we did with this update is provide a kind of a leap forward in what we're doing on our tech side. So, you know, we're always putting new sensors in vehicles, uh, new compute systems, new algorithms, et cetera. And so we felt a need uh, to update the public on all of those things. And you're right to point out that it's really about transparency. Uh, I'm a big believer in transparency. I think transparency helps you become better as a company. I think it helps you understand what you're missing and to be humble. And so I think for us, we wanted to make sure that the public, government regulators, uh, people like you folks had a, a more accurate representation of what actually we're testing on public roads versus where we were two years ago. Coming on this program with us, uh, Nat, in itself is, uh, is, 
is evidence of your transparency, the efforts there. Why is it important to have what you call that uh, safety case framework and have it open sourced for peer review? Yeah, I think because the industry is still trying to coalesce around several aspects of safety. So whether that be verification, whether that be metrics, uh, whether that be things you put in the code to sort of watch the autonomy to make sure you know, it does the right thing all the time. And all of these things are necessary, but by themselves are not sufficient. And so for us, the safety case allows us to put all of those different pieces together in a way that we believe can help make both a logical approach, but a, you know, an approach that you can substantiate. And so the reason why we open sourced it is because, you know, we're not here to say that we know everything. There are lots of smart people in the space, as, as you folks know. And to us, we wanted to share. We wanted to share what we've been doing. We wanted to share to get feedback. And we wanted to share to make it better. And we've gotten lots of feedback. And even before we put it out uh, to the public, we actually got internal feedback from peer, review, peer reviewers that we actually paid to review it who are experts in safety case. You know, we didn't invent the term safety case, by the way. That's something that is in uh, some other critical safety industries. Uh, typically after some rather tragic events that they, they become something that companies are kind of forced to do. We're doing this on our own well before any sort of government mandate or any requirement from anybody to do it. We're doing it because we think this is what makes sense. And so by open sourcing it and making it uh, available then other companies can look at it and see does it work for them uh, and we can continue to get feedback. And the uh, hope me, is that me, the others will do the same. Right, of sure. course. And I think to me, that's this is the only way to approach this, to have all the smart people uh, get together and, and, and share the information. I mean, this is not... This is not something to compete on. This is something to share on. This helps everybody. And again, you know, if, if these systems aren't perceived to be safe enough to be out there to deliver the mobility, the value, the reason why everybody's doing this, if it's not perceived to be safe, it's not going to happen. It's, it's going to end up on a shelf. All the investors are going to lose all their money. I mean, you know, whether, and so it, it is so important to get together. And, and I think there, you know, a lot of people, PAVE and some other groups have come together to, to, to focus on this. But, but again, it, it's really important. It's important for the customer who's going to actually be using this, who's going to gain the benefit from all this technology to also consider it to be safe enough you know people got on airplanes and flew okay even though we know every once in a while i mean most unfortunately you know things tend to happen but when things tend to happen we'll fix them we're not going to hide them we're going to fix them we're going to you know we're not per also darn bright to never make a mistake i mean that's just that's that's unattainable so it's so good that you guys are doing that. And as we've discussed, and maybe you want to chime in a little bit briefly, you know, it, it, you know, it's not just the vehicles themselves can't crash. You know, the whole environment of getting in, getting out of the vehicle, the, the whole, the, 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 the interaction of the, of the customer with these vehicles has to be all safe comments on all that oh yeah for sure and to touch on maybe something uh that fred was pointing out so once you know we were not doing this because we wanted to uh tell everybody how you know we're so smart and everybody else is not that's not the point at yeah, all yeah, actually yeah. um it's a little bit to the point that uh, dr k just mentioned is when we look at what does it take to being to make self-driving real it's not just cool tech but actually real and serve a purpose you actually have to look at many different things. Um, it's not just about, is the autonomy safe? You do have to look at what happens if the passenger gets in the car and opens the door, you know, seat belts, all those things go hand in hand with making a safe self-driving vehicle that actually brings benefits. And so when we look at, you know, what do we hope other companies will do? We hope they look at it. We hope they critique it. We've already seen some activity on the voluntary industry front, you know, Dr. K to your point, like, whether it's PAVE, whether it's ABSC that we're a member of, whether it's uh, SAE, whether it's UL who actually has come out with a framework for safety cases for autonomy or for autonomous systems. Uh, we think those are all very, very good things that companies should be engaged on. You know, I've been in this space for 
probably longer than I care to re remember. You know, and after two yeah, we've been chatting about this stuff for a while, haven't we? That's right. That's right. And after you know two decades in public service, uh, you sort of see how things can be, and sometimes how you wish they would be. And for me, like I see a great opportunity for this industry to do a lot of good things, uh, kind of on on their own. Uh, without having to have government come in and say, this is the way you you must do it. So I'm really excited that, you know, five years ago, people, companies in general were, hey, we can do this on our own. We don't, we don't need any collaboration. And I think if you fast forward the tape now, you see a lot more collaboration. I mean, Dr. K, I forget how many people are in pay, but a lot of people, I mean, we're not yeah. one of them, yeah, yeah. but that doesn't mean we don't support it. Yeah, right, um, right, right. And, and, and I think it's a, it's a testament to how folks have realized how difficult the safety uh, question really is so so you know how can the government help a little bit here because of course you know we're based on an economy in which competition is key you know it's fundamental to our whole economy and and one doesn't want to see collusion and all those sorts of things so when, whenever one says hey we're going to get in there and work on this together it implies it implies a, a collusion does one need some some special treatment here to to do more or or do you think you're good enough to go here and you, you don't need any, any anything more any more protection on on that end of it because in, in some things i mean before you get into a room to discuss anything you have to have 15 lawyers in there doing bid to do da 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 i mean come on you know any thoughts on all that or what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, we're always going to be for anything that supports the safe testing and deployment of self-driving vehicles. I mean, to us, that's that's key. I mean, for our particular path, we, we see a very clear way to get there without, uh, let's say, intervention or, or support or anything like that. But we do believe there are ways that, uh, whether it's federal, state, uh, others can all support the, the safe deployment of, of the technology. Uh, you know, for me personally, I, I think the approach that USDOT has taken with uh, kind of providing companies, we'll call it breadcrumbs of things you should think about, things you should look for, I, I think is a very, very helpful, especially given the, the multitude of players that are in this space. I mean, you have everything from a tech company like, like Uber and Uber ATG to uh, you know, Ford Motor Company to GM. I mean, it's, it's a wide swath of folks who have different expertise that they're bringing to the table. And I think that that's uh, helpful when it, when that's just sort of looking at all of that and the government is looking at it say like let's let's see how this all shakes out before we start writing you know a bunch of permanent rules that look like this that and the other thing at the same token you know there is a, a need for manufacturers to have certainty that need to build vehicles and the lead time for those vehicles are, are quite are quite long so it's a different uh, challenge than let's say we have at, at uber ATG and certainly you know our partners like Toyota and Volvo very much appreciate so, so to me, I, I think, you know, we continue to make progress. There's always conversations going on on, on the Hill. Uh, but I think the sort of the transparency approach and, and having companies do a lot more on, on their own is, is, is a definitely a good way to go for right now. You know, Alan, you, you talk a lot uh, about how crucial autonomy is, the ability to operate without a driver to the business model of Uber and Lyft for that matter. Um, I don't know if you can talk, Nat, about the, 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 uh, the importance of that. Not that all drivers are going to disappear, but what's your perspective? Yeah, no, of course the drivers, and I don't, I've always argued no driver is going to disappear. I mean, because the number of drivers that are being paid by either Uber or Lyft or making you know, money uh, working with Uber and Lyft is, is such a small number. One's always going to need that, num that number of drivers for people who need mobility and, and need, a, need a driver or can afford a driver or can really afford a driver. The problem is, is to get from what is really a very small number, not to say anything bad about, you know, the size of your market so far, but, it, you know, it's less than 1% of the trips, okay? There, there, there are all these other people that are out there driving for free. That's me. I drive myself for free. I, you know, I, I, I chauffeur my my kid around and my wife i chauffeur her around i mean come on you know what the hell am i doing chauffeuring her around i mean it could be a driverless uber vehicle doing <laughs> it although i kind of like chauffeuring her around but uh, but if you look at if you look at all the trips we're the ones that are doing the work and not getting paid 
okay? We're the ones that are, and we could be doing something else or we could be in, better enjoying life or in fact, all the people who, who for whatever reason can't do the driving, how are they getting around? And so therefore, you know, this is, this is the real market. So it, Uber, instead of serving 1% of the trips, why aren't they serving 10%, 30%? Hey, why not hell with it? 80%, you know? I mean, you know, you start serving 10% of the trips, one of those 10% are still gonna need to drive her. So no driver gets unemployed. In fact, you probably end up having more plus you have to then maintain this fleet, do all this. Jobs are created, all this stuff that people say they fear that somehow this is gonna ruin the job economy of drivers, whether it be in the movement of people or in the movement of goods. Come on, this just makes it, this just makes this, this so much better that everybody now has more mobility and people say, oh my goodness, more mobility, it's more VMT. No, it's more PMT, it's person miles travel, not vehicle miles travel. So we get to do it, you know, with a couple people in the car instead of one person, all of a sudden, geez, the congestion disappears and the people get the improvement in their quality of life. To me, that's the business case of this. And that's why we need to be this. And what we need to have is we need to have the gizmos and the computers and the and the megahertzies and the and the memories and all that with cameras and so on to do this for us and to help us and improve our quality of life. So that's why we need to do it, but it needs to be done safely. Right. But your that's point, where NAC comes in. That's where your, NAC your comes point in. Was so also, Alan, your point was, uh, I think, economically, economic survival, the need to be able to go driverless, really driverless, is so important to a company. Well, like I Uber. think it, I think it makes makes it for Uber. It allows them to offer mobility at a, at a cheaper price and make money. Okay, I yeah. mean, you know, you just uh, yeah, yeah, econ point zero 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 one. You know, supply demand. Da, da, da. I mean, it's it's kind of critical, and, and I think it's great. That's why that's why we're doing this. We're doing this. At least that's why I'm involved in, in, in the, the driverless initiative is because it's going to put more of a product out there in, in, in a way that people can afford it better and allow those that are putting the product out there to properly reward those on Wall Street or whatever and, and, and do that part of it. So it's, you know, it's win-win on both sides. I don't know. Nat, what do you think? I mean, yeah, I don't let you talk. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's great because Dr. <laughs> yeah. K made a, made a couple points. And, you know, I think it's part of what happens with technology in general, right? There's a, there's a lot of fear that sometimes uh, gets into to the conversation, fear of the unknown, um, you know, fear of like what what ifs with actually no data to go behind it. And I think from our perspective, from ATG's perspective, right? Again, we're not in it to build cool tech. Anybody can build cool tech. If we want to do that, I guess we would have all stayed in, you know, no offense to Dr. K, university land or something, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but this is where we just sit there and play and throw stuff on shelves, <laughs> you right. know? I mean, da 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 da, you know? Right. <laughs> but this is this is really about yeah. you know tra transforming. <laughs> transportation and really bringing about uh, transportation inequities um, that unfortunately uh, have crept into society that we can actually change with this technology. It's certainly why I came to a company like, like Uber. You know, it's, it's not about replacing the drivers at all. It's the power of the network. It's a lot of what Dr. K talked about, which is, you know, at some point you can only cover so much with, with drivers. And if you were going to try to cover everything with, with AVs, well, that's like, level five and you know we're we're probably some time away from that but what we can do um is have uh, a very limited or small operational design domain or let's call it a small network that we can pair up with our, our driver partners and and what do you know you have some magic there when when, when you do that because then you can bring the technology forward a whole heck of a lot faster than if you tried to solve every single condition all over the place oh and uh, by the way make it safe um, it's, 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 it's a mean, very it, difficult problem, but by, by, by pairing it up with our drivers, we can actually deploy it in a much faster and much safer way. Uh, and so to me, it's super exciting to kind of have both of those pieces working together in a system. So you actually get that, that system effect of bringing transportation options to a whole lot of people who right now don't have those. I mean, that's, that's a fact. I mean, if you look at the way our transportation system is set up, it, it does at times create a haves versus a have nots. 
um, and you have food not deserts. at times it does create i mean you know it exactly. does i mean you know we're being nice here saying that but go <laughs> ahead yeah right no i i i, I think that's right and so this has a, a, an ability to change that uh, and we can do it in a safe way on top of that well we have to do it in the safe way they those folks deserve it to be done in the safe exactly. way of course exactly. without a doubt and 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 uh, you you make the point that I try to make all the time, we can do operational design domains that provide enormous mobility for people who have struggled, okay? Who, who for whatever reason, haven't had that opportunity. You certainly have, do, have done that with drivers. You've gone into communities and provided mobility. People needed to get cross town. There's no cross town bus. Okay, but they needed to get there. They didn't have the, and you provided that. Now to be able to do that and then do that not only with some drivers, but now also be able to do it driverless in the appropriate operational design domain to start. My goodness, you start doing that. Guess what? It then becomes easy to grow. I think it becomes easy to grow that operational design domain. Plus all your learning from doing that and, and interfacing with the people and the people appreciate it. Guess what? It's arm in arm with the customer to go on and make it bigger. And, and that's why I think, you know, that's, that's the way to grow this business. Yeah. And I, that, I think that's my view on it. Right. And, and I think your to, view too. To, to touch on a point, you know, that's kind of front and center right now with, in a lot of the public's mind is around diversity. And when I talk, think about diversity, it's all of diversity. It's not just race, you know, color, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, things sure. like that, but it's yeah. also around just folks with disabilities. And so, you know, for me, working with two world-class partners in Volvo and Toyota is a way to think about how do we actually have a vehicle that serves all of those purposes, you know, meets all the federal regulations, of course, but actually really provides that benefit of true mobility for everyone, not yeah. just, you know, a certain class class of folks. I think that's really important. Yeah. Well, and while we're on that topic, I mean, we've had, uh, I don't know if you know Henry Greenwich, He's, a, he's at NYU now, had been at GM Cruise on as a guest with us. And he's talked about the need not only to get the, the black and brown community involved in understanding this and, and planning where this technology is, is going, but getting the companies to hire mm -hmm. people from those communities. So tell us, when you look around, obviously you're a great example, but when you look around, what do you see? Yeah, that's a really great uh, point. So to me, um, inclusiveness is what comes with building a great product. And I'm super proud to work at Uber and Uber ATG where we really place a high emphasis on that. You know, there are the typical challenges of, you know, recruiting pipelines, certain geographical areas and things like that. But some of the things that we're, we're doing is exactly when we're actually trying to, to pick where we might go. That's actually some things that, that we look at is the criteria or the sort of makeup of that particular area to understand like, what exactly are we doing there? So we can make, a, make it be a conscious choice and not an unconscious choice. You know, you hear this term unconscious bias kind of a lot. And so we wanna be deliberate about where we're going and be very specific about why we're going to those areas. And this, so then on the recruiting front, we, you know, it's for my team in particular, uh, I'm very proud of the fact that we have a very diverse team from all over, because it's really important. You know, what we're trying to do on, this, on the safety side is not trivial. And we've gone out and made sure we've had folks from aerospace, from nuclear, of course, from automotive, from tech, et cetera, to bring that inclusive approach to how we think about safety. If we just went and hired everybody that was in the auto industry or everybody in tech, uh, my hunch is we wouldn't be nearly as thoughtful as we are on, on the safety front. And then that, that comes hand in hand when we look at uh, gender and, and other diversity factors. Like that's really important for me. Like I want to have differences of opinions, different viewpoints. Cause again, that really drives how we think about what we're actually trying to do on the safety front. And that extends into the product side. Yeah. Well, congratulations and, and, on doing yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations. And as, as you know, as I've been it to you, you know, the worst sort of working around here to try to get something started in, in, Trenton, New Jersey. Why do you know? Why am I spending my time in Trenton and whatever and so on? It, it's because I think that that's that's the right place to start. That's where that's where there's an enormous amount of fundamental need of of an enormous number of people who really don't have options. 
I mean, you know, you come to Princeton and, you know, how many cars do I have in the driveway? I mean, you know, hey, yeah, I'd love, like to take an Uber too, you know, mm-hmm. but, but you know, I can fend for myself. A lot of people are, you know, have a lot of trouble fending, you know, a lot of hurdles to meet and this can really provide mobility. To me, that that's that's where I'd like to start. That's where that, and 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 certainly, you know, you bring the diversity piece and and all that stuff into here. This is an enormous opportunity to to bring people together and provide a level playing field, as opposed to this tilted thing that we've ended up somehow falling into. Because hey, the the rich have have all, and well, of course, the rich have a hell of a lot, and poor are always in in type. But th- this is an opportunity to really provide very efficient mobility, very good mobility at a very affordable price. Right. Without right, having to hand out and say, hey, you know, give me a ton of money. Okay. Right. And 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 so and and have every to me have everybody be happy. I mean <laughs> it almost seems to, to be too good to be true. Right. Right. But like Fred, Fred 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 pointed out, I think one one of the things that's you know, a, a challenge is sort of the the stigma, let's say, that tech has about maybe not not for us kind of uh, thing. And what we've done locally, at least in Pittsburgh, is you know whether it's hosting high school kids and exposing them to the tech, or trying to be visible in the in the neighborhood to show that we're we're there, you know, hosting events, things like that. Uh, but really, actually trying to establish better pipelines so that um, it becomes an option right up in the front as opposed to something that that you fall into if that if that makes sense right like we want to be deliberate and then grow those pipelines um so that people see us as as an option not like oh well i heard something about those guys let me go go check them out it's like you know front front and center we we you know we think we obviously are doing a good job but we also aren't satisfied with where we are and we continue to work on this well, I, I think you, you mentioned kids. I think that's sort of the thing that I ended up tripping over in the, in Trenton is is how important the kids are. Because in fact, you know, guess guess who's really not very mobile in a community? The kids. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, and it's not, you know, it's 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 certainly the thirteen to seventeen year olds, if not the ten to seventeen year olds. And and heck, if you're a 17 year old and you don't have a car, you don't have the money to have a car. Then you know it goes on, and and that whole group. I mean, it, what they have to be chauffeured by their parents or whatever, take a bus or. At least when I was that age, I could hitchhike, you know, <laughs> people don't do that. I mean, I think it's terrible. I mean, I went everywhere hitchhiking. I mean, I didn't have a car. I didn't have money. Okay, now you can't even hitchhike. No, but now Uber is going to come in there, man, give you a ride and boom, and it's going to be inexpensive and you can go to soccer practice. You can go caddy someplace and carry bags. You can, you know, go to, go to work at, at, a, at, a, at a shop wrong and, and bag groceries or whatever, you know. It's going to change everything it, it, for sure. Uh, it changes everything for that age group. And then, and then you start talking about seniors. It's the same thing. And all of a sudden, you take a look mm-hmm. at those groups. My goodness, those I think end up being the best ambassadors. They end up embracing us. They end up protecting it. They end up uh, cherishing it. They end up convincing their parents that this is a good thing. Okay, I mean, uh, I don't know. Just a thought out there. <laughs> but again, the inclusiveness of the community that you get to serve. If you can get to a point in which it's really affordable, unfortunately, to make it really affordable in large volumes, I think we have to we have to get the automation to work, and mm-hmm. of course, be safe, which is work, which is your job. That's your shoulders has to carry that sucker. Down. That's right. That's right. I'm up uh, for the challenge. We're going to pull over to the curb for for just a minute here, but this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor. The Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. To get more information, head to MOTOETF.com. On the website, we should point out, check out the white paper. It's called The Smart Transportation Revolution. It's under the Insights and News tab. Great information there that'll help you make informed decisions when it comes to investing. ETFs, you may know, are a good way to spread risk with investments and focus on a particular category. The site, once again, is MOTOETF.
com. Nat, I wanted to ask you about the pandemic and the effects that might be having on, on what you're doing in, in terms of testing and, and keeping things going there with the program. Yeah, that's a really, really good question, Fred, because I think if you look at uh, kind of some of the articles that were coming out, you know, sort of at the beginning of the pandemic, everybody was like, oh my gosh, self-driving is gone. Everybody's going to go <laughs> go back to wherever they, they came from. And it's obviously no surprise the the effect it's had on our on our rides and business. And I think you see in the paper uh, the effect that it has on the eat, eats business, right? Uh, both of those are good. But in, in self-driving, um, you know, from a, an effect on what we've been doing on public roads, you know, of course, there were some government things we had to to follow, right? So, you know, governors in different jurisdictions had issued different um, orders for what was essential and non-essential, all those kind of things. Uh, but, you know, and we had to follow those. So, yeah, of course, for a period of time, our track was shut down. Uh, we were not on public roads, uh, but we worked, you know, with, with local officials and uh, you know, state officials to get back on the road. So now we're back on the road. You might've seen we're actually in DC this week, uh, mapping, uh, getting ready. Uh, we're back on the road here in, in, in Pittsburgh with some new stuff. And so, you know, it's exciting. But one of the interesting things that happened is it, it really opened up kind of a new area. Uh, and I say, I would just say maybe even more so accelerated that area. So all the companies, generally speaking, are involved in simulation. Um, in one way, shape, or form. And one of the things that we were able to do was to really uh, leverage some of the pipelines we were already building to kind of continue to, to build and evaluate our tech, but and virtually. Um, we were also able to do some unique things with uh, even kind of hard vehicles that were sitting in, in the garage or sitting outside to be able to like basically spin them on and uh, take some, some measurements, take some, some action without actually physically being there. And so this was, it was a really cool time because you saw all of this innovation happening, uh, even people doing experiments in their garage um, to actually be able to continue to work uh, pretty effectively while we were not kind of physically in the office or physically at the track or, and things like that. It also opened up some new things we had to consider. You know, We had to get um, much smarter and we were able to leverage uh, some of the expertise we had at uh, the core business around what does one do about this, this sort of uh, COVID thing. And so, you know, so talk about partitions and face masks and how do we protect utmost and foremost our drivers, our test drivers, our mission specialists, uh, but also to Synthic it still continue their safety mission. You know, I think Dr. K knows me pretty well. Like I'm, I'm a pretty staunch advocate of making sure if we're making decisions on safety that we're actually being true to those decisions. And so we have two mission specialists in the front seat we wanted to make sure that whatever we were going to do for COVID, we maintained their, their safety goal and their safety responsibility. And proud to say we were able to, to do that through a number of different uh, countermeasures and, and risk mitigations we have in place for COVID that still has allowed them to do their very, very real job of controlling that, that vehicle, but at the same time reduce their risk of infecting each other. And there's all sorts of things I could talk about that we did around kind of the operation standpoint you know, teams and things like that to, to kind of limit uh, interactions. Uh, but so far, everything is is, is going great. Do yeah, I, I, you know, I sort of argued sort of same sort of thing. I think COVID, one has to look at the silver lining, maybe a little silver lining that's in it. It's, it's sort of taken all the pressure of getting out there too fast off of and, and allowing people to uh, step back one always goes through sort of uh, version updates of things and so on. And, and, you know, if you have a bunch of stuff out there, it's tough to version update everything. But if, if everything's in simulation, it's easy. Oh my goodness, we can't be out there on the roads. So let's go to the new version and whatever, update all this stuff. So I'm sure you, you went through and, and accomplished that. And when you look at, at really a lot of the challenge here, a lot of the challenge is, is in the is in the coding is making sure that the code is working well i mean you know it's a, that's a non-trivial thing and and but the, you know that's fundamental to the safety uh, so uh, yeah yeah but but and i think one, one thing sometimes people say is like or they'll ask me you know how come you can't do everything in simulation then oh. and, <laughs> and and i think it misses the broader point that you yeah. actually need you need a couple tools to do this uh the right way yeah. Uh, you need simulation 
because as, as Dr. K pointed out, that allows you to kind of rapidly innovate, make mistakes uh, in a very kind of safe environment, right? You know, the only thing you're crashing is electrons, yeah. uh, pixels, and, uh, but it's not sufficient, yeah, right? Even the best simulation in the world is not, it's not sufficient. Uh, for a lot, it's for, an for a approximation lot. of the real world. Yes. I mean, they, for a, a lot of reasons, Mother Nature right? is out there like throwing these curveballs at you. Exactly. You never saw me. She was swung exactly. and missed at that one. Whoops. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Know? But but it, but a great it, it allows you some kind of great uh, uh, things you can do on a technology front. Yeah. And then you need the test track. So the test track you can do some more things, a little bit more real. But then there are even some things that you wouldn't necessarily see or do on a test track. And then you need the on-road piece, right? And the whole, the whole concept uh, and for ATG in particular is like kind of having this gated flow from kind of inception of software till it gets out on the road. You know, a lot of people uh, would say like, oh, you just, you know, um, you know, rogue software on the road and there's no testing protocols, et cetera. And that's, for our case, that's not, that's not true at all. There's a very rigorous process that any piece of code has to go through before it lands on, on public roads. And then even there, we have two mission specialists who are responsible for, for making sure that, that it's operating like it's supposed to. Uh, but certainly COVID, we, we couldn't do that, that last two pieces for a, a little while. And so we spent a lot of time on the first piece, but now that, you know, as things have, have gotten better, you know, we're, we're kind of flexing all three of those tools uh, at the same time. And so it really is like, you know, they're sort of tools that you, you need to kind of uh, do the job as opposed to only needing the hammer, right? You need the hammer, you need the screwdriver, yeah. you know, you got, you got to have all those things. Terrific. Earlier this week, NHTSA launched its autonomous vehicle online tracking tool, a, a map that shows some of the places where vehicles are being tested on, on public roads. Uh, the map's a pilot program and now shows testing in 17 cities. And the, the agency says it's going to grow as, as companies submit more information. Any thoughts about the, about the program? Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, of course, I think you two know we are uh, one of the, the companies that uh, submitted our, our data and are providing data uh, for, for that, that tool. Um, I think it's a great way for companies to continue to be transparent about where they're testing and uh, how they're testing and things like, like that. Um, to me, I think it's just the beginning. You know, I think that's has said I'd like to see more more companies uh, go in there. Uh, to me, one of the the interesting facets is you really had the company piece uh, and the state piece all tied together in, in one tool. You know, before this, there was like, yeah, you could go somewhere and there'd be a somebody might have the state piece and they might only have one state or whatever, and then somebody else might have a you know what are the companies doing? You know, usually some newspaper person would put it all together and publish some article. And now it's like in a really interactive uh, tool that allows you to sort of click in and zoom out and, and, and find different pieces of information. So I, I think it's a great start, you know, kudos to my former colleagues at NHTSA for kind of pulling it all together and, and pulling it off. And we'll see how it goes. You know, I know there's some complaints that it's not detailed enough and it should be mandatory, et cetera, you know, but I think it's one of those things let's like kind of, uh, crawl a little bit before we, we start, start sprinting. Uh, and so I, I think we'll, we'll learn from this, of course. We'll, we'll learn like what, what data makes sense to put in there, what data doesn't make sense to put in there. Uh, but to me, it's a great start. Alan, in the, in the latest newsletter, you highlight Brookings is out with a report headlined, Autonomous Vehicles Could Improve Policing, Public Safety, and Much More. Uh, yeah, well, the, you know, that's, that's uh, from our friend there. And, and um, yeah, absolutely. Um, um, yeah, these, these vehicles, are, these these vehicles, are, these vehicles are going to be programmed to not break the rules or, you know, take the rules to where they should be. I mean, you know, is the speed limit a speed limit or is it nine over? I, you know, who, who knows? But somebody has to go out there and, 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 and tell folks what that number is and, and hey, it goes in the code and goes in the code and it doesn't violate it. The, 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 problem, the problem with the current system that we have is that people misbehave. That's what leads to all the difficulties and that misbehavior, you know, we don't want to, again, say, you know, what, you know, that's the way this stuff is sold to us. I mean, you know, it's, it's sold as a, as a dream or something like that. And we can do donuts on our neighbor's lawn or who knows what, or climb the, as I like to say, the, the wall of China with it. 
yeah, come on, I'm, I'm trying to go get a haircut. I mean, cut it out. But so I mean, anyway, and 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 the whole the whole the whole policing thing. Uh, you know, if 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 these are going to be the 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 real laws that everybody has to sit there and 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 obey. I mean, do do we really need people with guns enforcing this thing? I mean, really? I mean, come on. Uh, don't they have better things to, for those trained, well-trained people to do than than to pass out traffic tickets? You know, and 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 it just gets it can get so ugly so quickly. One doesn't one's afraid to even mention it. I mean, you know, I mean, you you don't want to suggest that. You know, this is another, you know, way to stop and frisk. But is it? I don't know. Jeez, you know, uh, somebody's speeding. Let me look it up. Oh, my goodness. They have worn out for their arrest because they didn't pay for their broken traffic lights in the, in, the, in the town next door. And so let's go arrest them. And then they, they get, you know, they're, what, what's everybody attacking me for? And then they, you know, they twitch and somebody... I mean, it it gets so ugly so quickly that that we should stop it in the beginning. I don't know. I mean, uh, yikes. Well, if if the future is uh, driverless, um, well, the driver driverless solutions here. Yeah. Well, you know, the there is some responsibility that should go to the car companies. Great. Volvo said we're going to limit the speed of the car at a hundred and whatever miles an hour. Okay, where can I do a hundred and whatever miles an hour in Jersey? Cut it out. Okay. And in fact, so many of these cars now have in it that they can read the, the, what the speed limit is. Okay. So why does my speedometer and say 160 miles an hour? <sighs> Well, because they use that to sell it to me, so I could have you know some vision of. But I don't. I shouldn't go out on New Jersey Turnpike or out on Cleveland Lane out here and do an 160 miles an hour. Come on, I, you know. And if they put this stuff in there, they know what I'm going to do. I'm going to clip it. I'm going to turn it off. And if 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 NHTSA or somebody says they've got to put it in there, then they're not going to sell any. I'm going to go buy a '55 Chevy and do 90. I don't know. Could a '55? Maybe a '55 Chevy could. I don't know. We don't want to go down. It, this is this how we got to this, which is really a, a minor infraction. It's a parking violation. It's oh okay. I I rolled through a stop sign. And all the and and you know why is there personal interaction that goes on? Why does a police person have to talk to me about? Send me the damn ticket. I don't, but and then I hate it. <laughs> I got. I think I got one of those tickets many years ago in Washington. Never paid it. You know, I haven't been back. Oh, to there's Washington. a warrant. You there's a warrant. In the car. <laughs> I don't have that license anywhere. They're gonna come arrest me. Oh my goodness! I'm gonna. They're gonna shoot me. I wouldn't. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, if you sit back and you think about it, I mean, I don't know. Fifty percent of the the expense here in Princeton for the police force is to pass out traffic tickets. Or do traffic enforcement? Traffic enforcement? Really? Yeah, there. there, there I mean, there is... I don't know. There's, there's a missing. Go ahead. I, I'm sorry. No, I, 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 I was going to say, like, there, there, there is a kind of a, a challenge here, which is um, when you look at the deaths on the nation's highways and serious injuries. Like, you can always point to what I would call like the big three. It's like seatbelt, speeding, and alcohol. Yeah. And of course. You know, we lose way too many people if you just were to pick on alcohol, for example. Yeah. And part of the, the, the challenge is that we haven't gotten any better on this issue as, as a country, right? Like, I think uh, people have written things about how Uber and Lyft have, have helped out in that space, but from a self-driving perspective. Oh, helped out enormously. No, we, yeah. we should point out, you have helped out enormously. And in fact, you should be funded by the alcohol in, uh, the, 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 the alcohol industry. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, uh, they, the, the, the beer and wine industry should fund you. Why? Because you've, and, and the restaurant should find, somebody's able to go to a restaurant and have an extra drink. 
because they can take Uber home. Right. Oh my goodness! I mean, enormous value right, but, associated but, but, with that. But but uh, part, part part of what you were saying there, Alan, is like uh, it's we see it now in in testing, like uh, where you know our test drivers are following the speed limit. They're you know they're they're stopping for their you know mandatory depending on what jurisdiction seconds at the stop sign, yeah. etc. And we notice very interesting behaviors by not the three of us, we'll call it the other people on the, on the road. Yeah. Um, and I think this will be one of the great challenges of deployment, which will be the integration of this tech with all the rest of us uh, and whatever our perceived driving habits, we think they ought to be or should be or, or, or whatever. Um, and I think this is something that we all have to work towards to, to kind of make it the whole system better because the whole system won't get better uh, by itself, right? We all have to work work towards it. So, like, we we can't give up on traffic enforcement. Do we need to do some maybe reforms around that? For sure, you're spot on around that. But I think from a, you know, if people are not obeying the speed limit, let's say, or the traffic signals, that actually makes it more difficult for our vehicle uh, to be able to be safe because now it has to consider other oddball behavior that you know makes the solving this more more challenging and more difficult. I've termed it as we need truth in the traffic laws. Okay. Is it a speed limit or isn't it? If it is, tell us what the hell it is. Well, your programming says it is, right? (laughs) Well, no, 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 no. I, I, you know, because I sort of argue that the traffic laws have been written for human um, uh, um, abeyance. And the recognition that, in fact, humans sort of like, you know, luddy died a little bit and don't really toe the line. So they'll give you whatever more. Uh, rolling through a stop sign, you know, stopping and then going. I mean, why do you stop at a stop sign? The reason you stop it, have a stop at a stop sign is so you have time to look left and look right and make sure that it's safe. The objective there, the fundamental objective of a stop sign is not to get you to stop, is to make sure that it's safe to proceed. So for a human to be sure to it's safe to proceed, we need to look here and then we need to look there and that amount of time requires us to really come to a stop. If you have a vehicle that knows there's nobody coming, why should it stop? Come on, who, you know, Oh, I want you to, why do you want me to stop? So we need, we need to have a, we, we need to have a discussion here as to, you know, what is for what reason, for whom to obey to what level. Now, that is, I, I don't know how in the hell we end up having that discussion. That's a tough discussion to have, okay? Yeah, yeah. It's a really, this will but, be part of the, the, the integration challenge for sure. Yeah, it's part of the integration challenge. At some point, you know, I, when I drive, I, you know, I wouldn't say, oh, man, that person's a lousy driver. And I, you know, make all these comments about that, you know, and, you know, and that's another human driving because they're not driving the way I drive. There's a whole distribution of driving behaviors. Now we have a new entity in that distribution of driving behavior. We now have an automated vehicle. Damn it, that thing is, it's code. It's well spelled, boom, 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 okay? We should be kind of happy as humans. At least we know how that thing's gonna behave. Therefore, we don't have to sit there and guess as to, you know, we're on the distribution. We know that vehicle stop and we know that sucker is going to do no more than nine over or whatever the hell, you know, people have given us, or maybe it's right on the speed limit and it's going to do it. And then, and, and, and of course the OEMs come in here and, you know, again, they now have this, the, these, the cameras that can read the speed limits. Okay. Well, they do. They go and, and put it on heads up displays. So not only can I see it here, I can see it in my face. That's not what you should do with it. Control the, the throttle and the brakes so that I behave properly, okay? But if you that behavior is not what I want, then I'll chop the wire. Well, that's, what, that's what Nat was then, talking then, about, then, the difficulties. Then we go, and, and then that's what makes us so darn challenging and difficult, 
okay? And we have to recognize, I don't know how we do, we all get together and figure out how we figure this one out. This is non-simple, okay? But it's fundamental. And, and, and as you say, you know, you're out there behaving well and all these other people are now, you know, unhappy with you and they toot at you and then they, they cut you off and they whatever and they think bad of Uber because they're following the rules and, you know, the whole thing goes in. I don't know how we deal with that, okay? Except, you know, start behaving. I don't behave well. <laughs> <laughs> orders, orders from Dr. K. <laughs> uh, well, I would like to behave well, but, you know, sometimes I misbehave. <laughs> Else, elsewhere in the newsletter, Alan, a couple of other quick headlines to, to touch on. Amazon has received approval from the FAA to begin limited testing of package deliveries using that fleet of drones that they talked about all those years ago. Great. Again, I don't, you know, niche market as far as I'm concerned. I don't know, you know, moving one package from Robbinsville to my house and then and, and taking it back and so on. I mean, I don't know. The swarms would be, I don't know, whatever. If it's to take it the last 50 feet from the vehicle to my porch, maybe. I don't know. I mean, for special applications in special places where there are no roads, where you can't get there, the da 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 absolutely. Okay. But, you know, I look at it personally as a niche application. I mean, great. I love I love drones, but, you know, whatever. When I see that, I think if, if Amazon's That's successful with it, why not Uber too? Yeah, Uber <laughs> might, you know, well, they have Uber Elevate and they're right. trying to move people. Right. I don't right. know. I, the, the air taxis? Yeah, yeah. Right, I right. don't know. To me, to me again, that's not quite the market I'm trying to address <laughs> and 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 get better. But whatever, let's not what's, go there. What, what, what's what, yeah. what's what's interesting about that, and not to kind of speculate on what we might be doing with Elevate or not, is just around that kind of just the whole safety approach, though. How you think about uh, that problem space is actually not so different than yeah. how you think about the you know the vehicle space. So should you have Sort of an organizational approach to safety, like we've we've implemented called SMS. Yeah, for sure, it makes sense. In fact, that actually mandates that for you know certain certain carriers. And then, does it make sense that you try to unpack how you're going to keep this this thing safe depending on what what you're doing? Absolutely. I mean, Dr. K was mentioning before about you know whether it's kids or um, you know whether it's you know packages or whatever whatever the case may be, your safety case for that is actually going to be different. For maybe for autonomy, it might be mostly the same, but how you have to deal with, you know, things in the vehicle, people in the vehicle, et cetera, are going to be different. And that's why we like the safety case because we can actually tailor it depending on what we're, we're up to. So I think it's a great, great example of like, yes, everybody thinks of drones and wide open space in the sky and it's so much easier. It's, it's actually not, it's actually some of the same challenges we have to think through on verification and testing and all those kind of things. If those things start dropping out of the sky, guess what? <laughs> they, they aren't going to happen. They've got to, like these, they've got to be safe. And and it takes the approach that, that, you, that you're that you're, ma uh, you're making. It it has to be throughout the company, and it's good to have them. It's good to to collaborate with them on 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 the safety piece. I'm just saying the market. I don't know. I think driverless vehicles have a really huge market. I, you know, drones, package delivery, yeah, whatever. Dr. K is just saying he doesn't want to get his burritos and pizza airdropped on him. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're going to splatter all over. I'm, you know, I'm going to, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, and I, I, technologically, I think they're fantastic. I can, I can recall when I first saw them, I think that CBIT in Hanover and maybe 2003 or something like that. Some, some guys and gals were out there in the open space playing with these things. I mean, whoa. And, you know, and I was the first the battery, guy on my battery block life was to three buy minutes, one. I, I ran into class and I flew one in class, you know, and did all that stuff. And University of Pennsylvania has done a lot of neat things and, and so on and so forth. I just, whatever, I'm, you know, well, I'm trying to deal with a much much i think uh well never mind <laughs> while we're up in the air alan uh yeah. also from the newsletter the the airline industry is ditching change fees american and delta are saying they're eliminating fees 
for changing or canceling flights, and it's permanent. It's a permanent change. So yeah, well, you know, you're talking I, about I, silver linings part. from the pandemic. Oh man, that that is probably the best. I mean, how many times was I? Two hundred bucks to, to for me to go in there and change my ticket. I mean, to move a couple bits and bytes around. How much? How profitable was that for them? And and and, and well, I know, I know why they did it is because you know I'd buy I'd buy a round trip you know leaving tomorrow but coming back like six months from now where the cheap tickets are you know and then of course I'm gonna have that and then I'll change it to you know not a, a Saturday night over a stay and and and. You know, I was so happy when I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> so it made the newsletter. And so yeah. did a, a story from Electric uh, reporting that Tesla has released a time-lapse video of production yeah. at its Shanghai Gigafactory. Yeah. There are some humans in there, but look at those robotic arms putting cars together. Yeah, wow. No, no, I mean, I think that's the way a lot of folks are working, except yeah. in, you know, ex except if you go to the McLaren facility in, in England. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little yeah, different thing. Still, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, it's all there. And, I mean, you can eat off the floor. But I think you can eat off the floor there in Shanghai, too. I, yeah, of course, that's the way it's going. And it's, it's, it's. Uh, I mean, the, the speed think, at which they can build them is is, is not only the speed at which they can build them. To me, I think the speed at which they can change models. Right. I've always looked at it as a flexibility thing. I mean, it used to be, you know, in the fifties and sixties, you would have a different model every year. I mean, some would have fins all over the place, and and then and then there's there's like there's like chrome all over the place, and then there are big bumpers, small bumpers. You know, every year there would be enormous change in the amount of time and effort that it would take for the each of the manufacturing facilities to change but now here man it's just a little bit of code to the doom to the dooms then the robot do this you have it but you did the boom and i know you were excited yesterday too as we checked off another success for spacex yeah i mean oh my god i mean come on just yeah, seeing pretty, that happen over and over pretty amazing phenomenal. stuff yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, the, a few days ago, when 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 they went into a, a polar orbit launch out of the out of the Cape, which means you have to fly overland, which means the FAA has to not give you permission to do this overland as opposed to water, which means that the probability that that sucker is going to blow up and drop drop shrapnel on everybody's house is like zero before they would do that and to, to reach a safe a, a performance level and a safety level that would allow the FAA to do that it's a little bit of what we're talking about that and to so, so that you send it over that populated area in the launch and then to bring the booster back over that population land that sucker back at the Cape cut it out man <laughs> they got that well but that's that's a pretty easy environment if you, you know you, even with small winds and small variations it's pretty much of a deterministic problem you don't have elaine hersberg appearing all of a sudden in front of you when you absolutely least expect it okay that is tough dealing with you know the driving in in trenton with you know whatever even if you have the sucker mapped down to the Nats eyelash, it's it's non-trivial. Definitely. And so Definitely. you know we have we have work to do, and 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 so on. So yes, hats off to SpaceX. I, I claim their problem is a heck of a lot easier than the one that we're trying to do. But you know, but and and but hats off to them. I mean, you're, you're I mean, saying it, you're saying it's not rocket science; it's tougher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I used to do rocket science, as you, as many people know. You know, uh, one point thought I was going to Mars, but we didn't go there. Not a lot. That was a long time ago. Now maybe you know, whatever. <laughs> well, we want to remind people that the Princeton Smart Driving Car Summit virtual uh, is still slated for next month, October twentieth through the twenty second. You want to keep an eye on uh, SmartDrivingCar.com for for the latest information there, right now. Yeah, yeah. We're still trying to put it on. We're still trying to figure out exactly how it can be worthwhile to, to the various folks who 
who want to get together and and try to help move this this technology forward. I think that's that's the objective. How how can we best serve it? I think uh, it was nice when we could bring everybody to Princeton. It certainly would be nice if we could do some demonstrations in Trenton. I think it's too soon to do any of those things. We we were almost set to do things back in in March, and, and of course, you know everything, you know. <laughs> Yeah, everything changed. Yeah. Everything changed, but we're, we'll get back, uh, you know, and again, the, the silver lining, it's given us a chance to take a breath, make the things really work as opposed to trying to go up against some constrained um, uh, timelines. And in the end, I think we'll all benefit from this. I think it, I think it ends up being good. And, and again, it's, it's all for the safety's sake. We can't be too early and not be safe. We've got to be safe. Okay. Or, and, and safe doesn't mean no crashes. Okay. That, that, you know, stuff will happen. We'll just have to, unfortunately um, learn from it the issue is to learn from it as fast as we can cooperatively with everybody together and, you know those are the the fundamental things and nat we can't thank you enough for taking the time to be with us here today really terrific information and congratulations on what you're doing there to yeah. Thanks, Fred. Uh, Thanks, Dr. K. Yeah, absolutely. It's the most important topic. It really is. And and thank you. And, and thank you for all your great work, Matt. And thank thanks you. to our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol again is MOTO. More information, MOTOETF.com. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, wherever you go for your podcasts. You can get your smart speaker to play us too. And you can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching, and please stay safe. And stay safe during the Labor Day weekend and so on. Um... Please do, yes. Yes, uh, and, um, and, and don't misbehave too much on the roads, okay?